0: Are we not the best of some friends already? Only in media. Welcome to Stargazing, the Dallas Stars podcast that is not afraid to trade a first round draft pick for an awesome new prospect. And in this case, our awesome new prospect is somebody you've seen before, Derek Newmeyer. How you doing, Derek?
1: Oh, that's me. I'm the awesome new prospect. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, we
0: can
1: bring you in. Hey, I'm doing well, Mark. Uh, You know, enjoying the last of summer before hockey really uh, gets off in full swing here in the next few weeks. But uh, you know, there's certainly been things to follow and things to stay on top of. So I guess there's really no true summer once you're you know deep into this industry
0: oh yeah no i you know it it felt so good to walk into center ice arena in traverse city and just have that sweater on and and feel the the brisk uh arena temperature as opposed to the 80 degrees that we had outside
1: oh yeah there's nothing quite like it you know i was at the rink a few times this summer i was at the halinka gretzky cup tournament up in red deer in july and you know it it definitely felt kind of nice actually to get into a cold rink when it's so you know hot outside and. I Have to remember that feeling when it's you know minus thirty up here in Calgary, and I'm driving out to the rink for a game. Then, well, let's let's kind of jump into it. You know, it's a it's Tuesday uh, where we just
0: had a big deal here for uh, for Dallas coming in. We have a a brand new right handed defender. Uh, you know, what do you think about the deal?
1: Uh, didn't have to lose any prospects. You know, I, I quite like it. If you look at the value that exchanged hands going from one team to the other i think both teams kind of got what they wanted and i think it's a pretty fair trade overall now Lunkfist was picked 28th overall by the rangers in the 2018 draft and since then i would say his draft stock has only gone up it it certainly hasn't gone down even though his first year in north america was maybe a little disappointing and, you know, things between him and the Rangers ended maybe a little disappointing, but make no mistake that this guy is a top prospect. You know, he was named the SHL defenseman of the year as a 20 year old, which is yeah, that's, remarkable. It's incredible. That's yeah. really incredible. That's the sort of thing that you just don't see very often. Uh, you know, he had a really good showing at the world juniors in 2020 where he was a point per game player. He appeared with Sweden at the World Championships before where he picked up a bunch of points. Like this guy's really good. He's only 22, but there's a lot of upside to him. You know, he thinks the game really well. He's great with the puck on his stick. Really good creativity and offensive vision. Great shooter for a smaller, lighter kind of guy. Good mobility. You know, he just thinks the game really well. He's he's really built for the modern type of hockey. You know, to have a guy from the back end who can move the puck well. And manage the game, and I, you know, someone on Twitter uh, tweeted this the other night, and I retweeted it. But when you look at, you know, how old Miro Haskin is is right now, and how old Lundqvist is, you know, in three years from now, Haskin is going to be 26, Lundqvist is going to be 25, and that is a pairing that the Stars could roll out on their top defensive pair. You know, that is a very realistic possibility. Whereas just a few days ago. You know, that question was maybe a little bit more up in the air, you know, because the Stars didn't have anyone who shoots right, who was projected to really take those strides within the next few years. You know, maybe Harley would have been on the top pair on the left side and Haskin would have still been on his right side where he's probably going to be this year and where he was last year. But, you know, this gives the Stars certainly a different look. You know, they also went, you know, right hand or right shot defenseman heavy at the draft in 2022, but those guys are still a few years away, you know, with the being 22, I think it kind of fits just where the stars are right now. I think they're looking to take, you know, a, a step forward in the next couple of years. You know, Ottinger is entering his prime. Haskin is entering his prime. Robertson's entering his prime. So I think it made sense for the stars to add someone like Lundqvist, who is also kind of in the same part of his career as those other guys are. I think the timing of having him makes more sense than the pick that they would have got in 2023 if they would have held on to it.
0: Right, and, and you know to tell you the truth, I think maybe Jim Neal was influenced a bit by how good his recent draft picks played at Traverse City. I mean, certainly on the forward end, the guys that he's stocked up, they're stacked up, you know, Borg, Stankovan, uh Johnston, even somebody like Strangis, just kind of showed a bit of upside that that you kind of anticipated with most of them but it is nice to see them working it out and and showing it on the ice and then you kind of say see he's stocked up you know Kyrou looked really good at at Trevor City I thought and maybe this is Jim Neal taking a step back and saying, we've been very successful in our drafts over the last several years, and maybe we've built up enough depth so that we can go ahead and use one of those draft picks that, that you know, he tends to hold them pretty close to the vest and use them. But now he's comfortable letting that one go because his, his cabinet's looking pretty good and, and he needed to fill a right-handed defensive role. And, and this was a great opportunity to do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think all of the most successful teams in the league know when it's time to build and know when it's time to go for it a little bit. Like you, like the Tampa Bay Lightning, for example. You know, they drafted high with Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman. You know, Andrei Vasilevsky was a first-round pick, but they reached a point where they realized they wanted to compete, they wanted to win now. Well, they had a window that was open, so they started trading their first-round picks away because they realized they had the core pieces to build around. And when you have a strong core and your windows open, you kind of have to push through it. Colorado is another great example. You know, they built really well for a long time added, you know, Mika Rantanen, Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog. You know, they built a core with their best players, realized that they had a good window to compete and they went for it. They only had, I think it was two picks in the 2022 draft, but they don't care. I mean, (laughs) I think they certainly made the right choice. Yeah, and they won a Stanley Cup, right? They traded all those draft picks, but look at the result. You know, they won a Stanley Cup. The timing was perfect for them because the window was open. So it was the right move for them. And I think we're slowly starting to see that happening for the Stars. They're not going to say they're going to be a Cup contender this upcoming year, but you're starting to get an idea of what that window looks like. You know, you've got Jake Ottinger, who's a true starting number one goalie. He's got a few good years coming up ahead of him where he's going to be in his prime. You know, Haskinen's there, Jason Robertson, Ropé Hints, And then you've got a good supporting cast coming right behind them with Wyatt Johnston, Maverick Bork, Logan Stankoven. So it seems like the stars are starting to approach a window. And I think it makes sense for them to focus on that window with their assets as opposed to, you know, picks – that you, they would make in 2023 or 2024 that wouldn't be part of a, a championship window for another you know six, seven years.
0: Right. And, and, and let's just take a look a little bit at, at depth here, because I, I remember looking two years ago at, at, at what was the presumed defensive lineup in Cedar Park uh, that was backing up what the Stars had. And, and you could go through that lineup and really not have an obvious choice of somebody who is what you would consider to be NHL ready. And, and now we're looking at a team that, you know, the defense was kind of weak up at Trevor city, but the only guys who have really a chance of seeing any action at Cedar park this year were, were Michael Caro and, uh, and Dawson Bartow. And to tell you the truth, those guys might be fighting for a number seven spot spot in the AHL. And so Dallas has stocked up quite a bit of, of talent both at the NHL level now and at the HL level, where, where you have guys who have played games and demonstrated that they can be successful at that level, just waiting in the wings
1: in case somebody's needed. And it ties into the Lundqvist trade again, too, right? Like you have Haskinen and Harley, you can pencil those two guys into your NHL roster right now and for the next few years moving forward. But beyond them, you know, there was a gap. You know, they addressed it a little bit in the 2022 draft by drafting Lee and Bixel in the first round, Christian Cairo in the second round, George Figaris in the third, and then Gavin White in the fourth. You know, all those picks help. But there was still that bit of a gap, you know, after Harley, you know, how far away is Bixel? How far away is Cairo? Well, they helped, you know, mitigate that a little bit with the addition of Lunkfist. So I think it, it gives the pipeline – you know a little bit more balance, where there's not quite that gap that there was before. So even though a lot of the young defensemen are still a little bit ways away, you know I, I don't think there's a gap like there was before.
0: Right, and and, and even if somebody like Miller doesn't work out, uh, you have somebody like Butcher who's waiting in the wings, and so you aren't just betting you know everything that you have on one guy who who is injury prone. Or, or who's spent you know most of his time maybe on the third pair in the NHL. You have guys who have have a decent number of games and have shown that they can uh, can be productive at the NHL level, and and that goes along. You still have people like you know you know Ben Gleason, uh, Michael Shay, uh, uh, Jared Rosper, people who who you would consider maybe borderline, but who haven't had the chance, but are still waiting in the wings and and are. are they, they have a chance to be NHLers, uh, but they're going to be fighting for a job.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's very clear just how important competition is for the stars right now. You know, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head with guys like Gleason and Shea. You know, these guys are capable of becoming, you know, that Joel Hanley kind of player. You know, Hanley's on the wrong side of 30 now. He's under contract this year. He'll be a UFA next year. But, it you know, the stars have to be looking at guys who – you know, could be in their mid to late twenties who can come in and play on that seventh or sit in that, in that seventh roster spot on, on the back end, you know, a guy who, you know, might not draw into the lineup every night, but you know, he's already kind of developed. It doesn't matter if he's sitting in the press box a lot, not playing, you know, you don't want a 21 year old as your seventh defenseman sitting up there. Cause that, that kind of guy needs to play. So yeah, the, the competition right now is, is going to be really fierce. You know, if you're a Ben Gleason or a Ryan Shea, you know, you might not be getting into NHL games this year, but you gotta keep your game high. You gotta be competitive because you never know if you're gonna be able to find a roster spot, you know, later on. Cause if you're not working now and there's guys right behind you that are gonna pass you really fast. Right, exactly. And you say
0: even to somebody like Hanley, last year you just kind of inked him in the number seven slot and going into training camp. If if Hanley doesn't come to play in training camp, there are two or three other guys who could very easily fill that number seven spot up at the NHL level. So again, my major competition that's that's going to be happening here in the next week or two, that's going to set up the lineup.
1: Yeah. And not just on defense too, but also at the forwards.
0: Oh, for, forwards, uh, forwards just as packed.
1: So what did you think at Traverse City of some of the big names in the Stars organization, you know, we've Maverick Bork, Wyatt Johnston, Logan Stankoven. You know, these are guys that even though they're younger, you know, if they play well in, in preseason and have a strong training camp, these are guys who could be pushing for roster spots too. Their chances aren't as high, but what did you think of them and how hard do you think they're going to be pushing and competing for roster spots in the coming weeks?
0: Oh, I, I think they're pushing hard. And, I mean, you take a look at that tournament in Traverse City, and there were certain things. You know, if you want to take a look at, at how Stankoven can puck handle, um, he was just shoulders above anybody else on the ice there. I mean, when, when, he, when he wants to make moves and control the puck, he just knows how to do that. Um, Bork showed, showed talent. I think he had some things. You know, he had a two-way game. He played defense. Um, he he has a has a pretty good slap shot and and, and works off the power play. I'll tell you that power play one for for Dallas at at Traverse City was just incredible. Oh yeah, I mean, you, all, all the big prospects. Plus he put uh, put you know Freddie Karlstrom uh, uh, in in the middle, and it, it, you know they they scored within twenty seconds. You know or had major chances all over the place. And and it was
1: just a joy to watch. Boy, that can't come soon enough for the stars, can it?
0: Yeah, no kidding. It's a, it's like you know how much time did did Neil Graham have to put that kind of stuff together? You know, you, you could kind of see the growth that that unit had from the time they played Toronto on on Thursday night to to just absolutely blowing out the Blues on Sunday morning. You know, the the amount of progress that was made by the group was 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 pretty outstanding.
1: It was also fun just to watch them because it didn't look like they really had too much to learn. You know, Wyatt Johnston was, you know, on the power play where he is in Windsor, you know, on on the back right there. You know, yep. got a quarterback backing things from the blue line to the half wall. You know, Maverick Bork likes to go up high on the left side. You know, these guys, they were pretty comfortable where they were and what they were doing on those roles. You know, even though they didn't have quite the same chemistry as, you know, the guys they play with in their junior teams, it was pretty fun just to see, you know, see them work. It's like, oh, I've seen Wyatt Johnston make that pass many, many times before, and he still got it down.
0: Right, and, and you know, what one of the reasons I, there were there was some talk that Stankoven didn't put up big numbers, but but some of that was that you know he he ended up getting paired with 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 a teammate who, who really needed a little help, and and so that maybe took a little away from his game. But you know, that that's kind of the mix and match nature of the whole thing. You know, it was the, my favorite. My favorite development to to watch was this, you know, this line with uh, with Damiani, Bach, and uh, and and Strangis, who just had some really weird chemistry that that was <laughs> was fun to watch. And it, just, you know, I, I never saw anything out of Bach like, like he did up at Trevor City.
1: And he was their captain too, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, you know, It was it was him him, uh, and then the A's were uh, were Karlstrom and, and Damiani.
1: But he he showed
0: a lot, and yeah, you know, they they oh what what's what was the guy the big guy for uh for Detroit six eight uh, uh, Swede um
1: oh he was uh, conti- so, Elmer Soderblom
0: Soderblom yeah I mean, Soderblom kind of had an eye out for uh for Bach the whole time, and Bach just just stood up to it.
1: Oh, those guys was, didn't was, know each other from from their days in Sweden.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know the the other thing that was kind of fun to watch I hadn't seen much up 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 in front was, was De- Damiani has, has a little mean streak to him that, that you know, he, he, he scores goals, but he likes being a mucker.
1: Oh, yeah, he's competitive. He's feisty. He's not afraid of the dirty arrows of the ice. He's not afraid to battle. And I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about that second line because it really, ex- you know, exemplifies just how crazy good the depth for the, for the Stars organization is right now. I mean, you look at that tournament. I thought Johnston was good. I thought Bork was good. You know, I thought Stan Coven was good. And then he didn't play a lot in the last game. You know, once Dallas got out to a big lead over St. Louis, you know, Neil Graham yep. was playing his fourth line a lot more just to give those guys more of a chance to show themselves. But the point I w- I'm trying to make here is that, you know, the Stars' big prospects didn't need to dominate or take over games for the team to win. You know, you had, you had Strongest scoring a ton of points – you know, Damiani scored a bunch of points. Matteo Blumel had a good tournament, including a hat yep. trick in that game against St. Louis. Like, boy, talk about depth with that forward group right now. You know, Bach had a, a nice showing as well. You know, it's it's crazy just how much depth has been built in this pipeline.
0: Yeah, and I I, I thought Karlstrom was sneaky good in that tournament. He did a lot of things to make other people succeed. And and, and you could he he was he was the oldest guy in the lineup. You kind of expect that but, but he, he showed it and he did it in a nice quiet way where he didn't have to have to be the guy getting all the accolades and, and you, you kind of like to see that. And and yeah. here, I mean, we, we, you know, Frederick Olsson we, he's on the NHL roster right now. We haven't seen him do anything here yet. So it's, <laughs> there, there's other guys waiting in the wings in training camp that get added to this lineup.
1: Oh, it's, it's really wild. Like if you just look up and down, you know, players that are under contract for the stars, You know, we haven't mentioned guys like Rhett Gardner and Nick Mano, who were, you know, notable prospects within the organization not that long ago. And, you know, they've fallen down the depth charts a little bit. You know, they have their work cut out for them to stay competitive. But these are guys who played in the NHL already. These are guys that have been in the minors for a few years. You know, they have that experience that other guys don't, you know, it's not out of the question that one of them could, you know, really prove themselves in camp or early on in the season and fight their way into the competition too. So it's it's pretty remarkable just the number of players that the stars have who have either, you know, played in NHL games or are top prospects or, you know, like Olafsson and Blumel are guys that have been playing professionally in Europe. And are now fighting for a roster spot just like Jake and P- Jacob Peterson did last year. You know, his first year in North America, he found his way onto the NHL roster for most of the season. So it's pretty remarkable. I'm, I'm very, very curious to see how these battles are going to shake out and how this roster is going to shake out. And even just even the roster in the AHL too, you know, those guys are going to have a hard time
0: oh, finding ice time
1: and, t- and power play time and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you take a. Lead, you already know that you have you have McKenzie who's going to be captain down in Cedar Park. But then you have somebody. You know, they brought in Riley Barber as as another one of those senior AHL guys who's going to very likely or almost certainly going to take a roster spot. Now, there are some names that we're kicking around here that are going to be eating nachos in Cedar Park, just because you know you know where are you going to find a, a spot to play them? We we have. We have 14, 15, 16 solid forward prospects and, and 14 slots.
1: Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, I look at the Dallas Stars roster on cap-friendly, not just necessarily roster, but the guys under contract. I'd say there's nine players you can pretty much lock into um, spots in the team. Sagan, Ben, Pavelski, Marchment, Fox, Hintz, Guryanov, Glendening, Robertson. And then what? Yep. You know, the, those are nine that you can say are pretty much locked in. And then there's how many other guys that could yeah. conceivably fight for spots. You know, you got Kiviranta. You know, Tanner Caro has played there in the last couple of years. Marion Studenich came in and had a really good showing as a waiver claim. We haven't even talked about Tidal Andrea. Ryan right, Tufti. right, exactly. Like, this is, this is crazy. I, in all my years watching the stars, I've never seen this kind of depth and competition before this is unheard of yeah and, and you take a look at somebody like tufty you know tufty takes something less than
0: his qualifying hour uh qualifying offer just so that he has uh you know that money is not going to be an issue for a call up. and in fact he's more likely to get a call-up because he's taken a
1: minimum cap cap yet i
0: mean, this is this you know, it, it's just incredible
1: Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And Tufti is an interesting name too. You know, he's, he's a little bit older. He wasn't part of this tournament because he's been in the AHL for a while. The stars already kind of know, you know, what he is and they don't think he needs to to show anything at that tournament, but he's uh, he's not waiver uh, ineligible now, you know, he will have to pass through waivers if Dallas wants to send him to the AHL. So that could be something to kind of keep an eye out for, you know, do they risk sending him through and have another team maybe pick him up? Do they kind of keep him on the roster as maybe the 13th or the 14th forward where, you know, they don't expect him to play regularly night overnight, but, you know, they, they, they want to keep him around because they don't want to lose him for nothing. So he's going to be another interesting story in and of itself. My my general bent is to pay a
0: pay at least an, as much attention to the business side as I do to the hockey side, and the the business side is going to be pretty interesting this year with with all the various moves. Because a lot of these guys do have waiver exemptions, but there's are, there are a handful that don't, and and you know once that uh, that that Robertson contract comes in, this team is gonna is gonna have to go through some gyrations to be cap compliant.
1: Oh yeah, and, you really.
0: And, and I'm just saying, you know, the, the guys who the guys who are on these minimum contracts are, are gonna be guys who are getting NHL time because the stars are gonna need to play it real tight to the vest.
1: Oh yeah, you look at a guy like you know UL Kiviranta and you kind of feel bad for him a little bit. You know, he had his big playoffs, uh, you you know, scored that crazy goal against Colorado and he was the hero. He signed a decent contract. You can't fault him for taking the money, you know, he's making you know, just a little over a million dollars a season. But now, you know, that's 250,000 or 300,000 more than a lot of the guys that he's fighting for a roster spot with. You know, if the Stars have the option of keeping Kibiranta, you know, just at just over a million on the roster as the number 12 or 13 or 14 forward, and you're comparing that against Stude Nietzsche or Olofsson or Caro or Tufti, who are all making 750,000 against the cap, You know, it it really doesn't work in Kiviranta's favor.
0: Right, especially since all all of that Kiviranta salary can go straight down to the NHL and you don't have to worry about getting a buried penalty. So, uh, you know, that that comes into
1: play. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, So I wanted to talk again a little bit about Ty Delangia. I wanted to bring Mm -hmm. him up because, you know, there's so much talk lately about you know, the flashy new prospects like Johnston and Bork and Stan Coven. But I feel like Delandria doesn't get enough discussion because out of the young guys who are going to be joining the roster and, you know, taking on a real role on the team, I think he is ahead of all of them. I think it's more likely that we'll see a full season out of Delandria this upcoming year than, than any of the others, including Wyatt Johnston. You know, you look at what he did in the AHL last year. He was a top guy for that team. He played in the power play. He played on the penalty kill. You know, you could put him out at the end of a game when you're defending a lead. You know, he can play center. He's comfortable on the wing. There's just so much about him that screams NHL roster player, even if he's just on the fourth line. I mean, Ty Delandry is not going to be wasted in a fourth line role. He's going to learn. He's going to accept his role. He's going to keep getting better. And I think he's going to be the the rookie to watch this year as, as someone who's going to be making the team and really, you know, finding his way into one of those key roster spots. Right. No,
0: I, I, I'm fully with you. I remember watching the, you know, he played one game in the NHL last year and he played about 10 minutes. And I just have a distinct memory of looking at, at his play that one game and saying, he is now NHL ready. And, and when he played, when, when he had his stints up with the NHL club before, you know, he got more time, he got more games, but he wasn't ready. And mm-hmm. now I think he is. And so I'm 100% with you there. I, I think he is probably one of those guys who's going to find himself in the, in, in the 14 players who are up in the NHL roster. Oh, yeah. And, you know, night and day difference.
1: You know, he was capable in the nhl you know when he played you know in the COVID year and he got in i think it was 26 games like he didn't look entirely out of place but he also didn't look fully comfortable but you know it's it just really goes to show how effective that time in the ahl can be and just how good of a job the stars have done it you know building that strong theater system down in Cedar park, right. You know, they gave DeLandria a chance to take a bigger slice of the pie. They gave him a chance to play up in the lineup. You know, they taught him a lot and you can see just how much he learned and how far his game grew. And, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a really good Testament, you know, not just for how, how good DeLandria is a prospect and how well he's done to learn and adapt and, you know, not, you know, pout or anything that he, you know, spent most of the year in the AHL after getting such a strong taste of the NHL. But I think it's a great sign for guys who are going to be there this year, like, you know, Maverick Bork or Oscar Bach or maybe Riley Tufty, Freddie Carlstrom. Like, I think these guys are all going to take, you know, nice strides in their development because the Stars have done such a good job at building a strong developmental system from Cedar Park to the NHL.
0: Yeah, it's like you know Travis Moran and and, uh, and Max Fortunis, Um having having those two right underneath uh, Neil Graham. I think is a pretty strong team down there, and, and I think they're they're teaching well. Um, and, and specifically with Delandria, Delandria's game is, is he he plays kind of a man's game, if you will. He he gets in people's faces. He's pretty physical. And it, it, that's kind of hard to do coming into the NHL as a 20-year-old because your body isn't quite ready, ready to back up your mouth. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I, think, I, think, I think he's kind of, you know, at 22 now, he's more fully developed and, and, and his game on the ice can hold its own and, and he can still be comfortable playing that, uh, that you know, muck-in-your-face muck game.
1: Yeah, but I mean, let's not you know make no, make a mistake about it. Delandria can still offer so much more than that too. You know, he's oh, not yeah. just a guy who's going to be a mucker and a grinder and a hitter. Like he's probably going to start his NHL career on in the bottom six. But this is a guy who still has genuine offensive upside. You know, he's a guy who could be the second line center for the team. Maybe in, in some case in the future, even a first line center. I mean, he's no stranger to being first line center. He was the first line center for almost his entire time in the OHL with Flint. You know, he's, he's, he's yeah, had to, to be. Yeah. 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 He, he talked about school, hard knocks, but I mean, he's a yeah. guy who had 50 points last year in the AHL. You know, he was one of the top scorers on his team. That's pretty good. You know, that's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, he, he, he's a first rounder. He, he has, he has talent and, but he's also a, a first rounder who can play on the fourth line and the nice thing here is you, know, you take a look at the history with Pete DeBoer and DeBoer tends to roll lines and he doesn't he doesn't pigeonhole lines and so he expects his fourth line to step up and contribute on both ends of the ice not just get out there and you know and wreck havoc for
1: for 40 seconds and then go to the bench and and watch other people score goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he has a history of wanting a little bit more balance out of that. You know, yeah. it'll be interesting to see if he deploys like a quote unquote checking line, like we would have seen in the past with you know Raffle and Foxa and Glendenning. You know, we could still see that sort of thing with you know Glendenning and Foxa together, and maybe Student each or Tufti on their wing. But you know, we could also see a lot more diversity than that. You know, have four different lines that are all capable of scoring and defending. Well, I guess I don't expect to see Robertson, Hanson Pavelski defending too much, and that's probably fine. But for well, the they're, other they're three de- lines...
0: I mean, the, their defense is keeping the puck in the offensive zone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, get the puck down to into Robertson down low and let him cycle for 30 or 45 seconds.
0: And yeah, exactly. Great yeah. defense.
1: Wear out the opposition before they're so they're too tired to even get up the ice. We've seen it enough going at us. It's nice to have a group that can can do it to somebody else. Yeah, it's also going to well, be interesting to see if what the stars can get out of Dennis Gariano of this year. You know, new coach, you know, fresh start of sorts for him. You know, maybe he'll be back with the similar line mates in Ben and Sagan primarily, but he'll, he's another name that, you know, he, even though he's in a bit of a different situation and as a 25-year-old, you know, he, he's got a – big cap hit and you know are they going to be able to afford him this or next year you know if he plays well or if he doesn't play well you know are they going to want him on the roster making you know north of three million a season if he's not significantly better than the guys who've come up and caught him
0: right exactly and and yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Gurianov gets some time with Ben. I think they have uh, have some pretty good chemistry. Um, I think we also saw that, uh, at least statistically, Ben and Sagan was, uh, was, was chasing fool's gold last year. Uh, they, their numbers just were not good together. So I'm kind of hoping that we see Sagan on a, on a second line and maybe Ben on a third line and, and break those guys up and give them some other guys that they can help along. Um. So, you know, maybe maybe uh, Gurianov, Ben, and yeah, student each would be nice on on the left
1: end, or maybe even somebody like Jacob Peterson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we barely even talked about Peterson. You know, we're treating him like, you know, he's he's old compared to all these young prospects. Peterson's still 23 years old. You know, yeah. he was drafted after Riley Tufte and Frederick Karlstrom. You know he's still a guy who could have another ten plus years in the NHL ahead of him. He's still so young. He's only had one NHL year.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's it's like it's amazing to have. You know, you you can you can count. You know, eight or ten guys here who could just come out of nowhere and surprise you. Uh, You know, Peterson was kind of the surprise last year, but there's. No, I I I kind of expect to see a bit of uh, of rotation of guys coming up to the NHL, seeing what they got and going back down, especially with the number of guys who are who are waiver exempt that, that can do that.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's something that the stars have traditionally, at least in recent years, you know, have shown that they like to do. I mean, you look at last year and all the different players that got NHL time, you know, Tufty was up for a little bit, you know, Riley Damiani was up for a little bit, you know, Delandry had a chance to play. You know, Carlstrom. Red Gardner, yeah, Carlstrom had three, three games and had a, had a point, you know, Rhett Gardner, you know, completely forgotten, but he dressed for four games the last season. Yeah. You know, and they added student each and, you know, he found a way to stay in the roster. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, you get a guy up for, you know, three or four or five or six games, give him a taste, you know, show him, teach him like what the difference is between the AHL level and the NHL level. You know, you know, let them experience it firsthand and then send them back. You know, not only do they go back to the AHL, hopefully a better and more experienced player, but also maybe a little bit hungrier. You know, once you get a taste of the NHL, it's hard to go back to riding the buses in the AHL. You want to stay up for good. It's a nice check at the NHL when you get it. (laughs) Even just for a few games, that's, you know, that's a lot of money to a lot of money of difference.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so, no, I, I fully expect to see that and I'm kind of looking forward to it. And I think with the with the coaching staff that we have down at Cedar Park that, uh, you know, if they come up and they find some things they need to work on, they'll go back to Cedar Park and work on them and, and they'll get active support to do that. Absolutely.
1: Especially because the organization has done such a good job, you know, kind of syncing the two teams. You know, they've, they've really made a concerted effort to make it as easy as possible for a player to go from the AHL to the NHL. Not only is there familiarity with coaching staff and, and players, but just the way that they play, you know, what's expected out of the players. You know, they really do want that consistency for, to make it easy for guys to move up or down. Now, that, that, that
0: leads to an interesting question because, um, you know, watch, watching at Traverse City, that – group was every single one of them was on their toes they were ready to blow the zone and, and, and what's sitting in the back of my mind is is that this just the nature of the kind of guys that we had at Trevor City or is that maybe a signal that uh, that there's going to be a, little, uh, a a little uh, transition game and aggressiveness on the offensive end that, that's throughout the organization?
1: Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Truly. I mean, you mentioned Christian Cairo earlier as someone who stood out positively. And, you know, he's a guy that I scouted a bit of last year. I mean, it wasn't in my region out in the West, so I didn't see him as much as some other prospects. But, you know, I made sure to get looks at him and then went back after Dallas picked him to get some more looks. I mean, this is a guy you couldn't really rein in if you wanted to. You know, he, he's a guy who wants to be moving. He wants to be in motion. He really wants the puck on his stick. He's not afraid to be aggressive to try and push defenders back on the other team. So, you know, he's the type of guy that he wants to play that up-tempo style of hockey. And But to your point, it was nice that, you know, the Stars or coaching staff there, you know, led by Neil Graham, they didn't want him to slow down. You know, they didn't want him to back off a little bit. But I, I think it does come down to just how they've drafted in recent years. And there has been a shift, you know. From where things were like five or six years ago, what the draft trends were to how they look now, you know, there is a big difference. You look at guys like, you know, Kairou, Logan Stankoven, uh, Ayrton Martino, Maverick Bork. Like these are guys who are on the smaller side, but they're skilled and they're quick. And, you know, the Stars didn't have a lot of that in the past. So it has been nice to see more of a balance being built. You know, they're not shifting completely from one extreme to the other. I mean, you look at Liam Bixel, who's, you know, six foot five and 220 or 30 pounds. know, he's built like a linebacker. You know, they, they still love their guys with size and strength, but it's great to see this, this balance that's been built. You know, we've been talking about the depth of the organization, you know, the talented forward, now the talent of young defensemen. And we'll probably talk about the goalies in the second year, too. But I also love the balance. Of styles and strengths that they built, you know, you've got puck-moving defensemen and shutdown defensemen. You've got shooters and playmakers. You know, you've got guys who can grind and guys who can beat you with their speed. So it's it's just truly impressive how strong the prospect pool is. Also, in that way, I've been missing from the
0: NHL team has been a, a real solid playmaker, and so I'm I'm kind of looking for somebody other than Jason Robertson just to to come in and 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 have that second vision where they can create for other people and and. And make opportunities so that we can have goal scoring, and and, and I saw a bunch of that up at Trevor City. There there is guys who, you know, Bork Bork had 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 some amazing plays. He creates offense by with his shot, um and and that's that's something that I think Sagan probably used to do quite a bit, um, but we haven't had it in a while. <clears throat> and and you know Johnson, that's you know, Johnson's whole game is making everybody around him
1: bet. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, these are guys that are, you know, the top prospects in the team are primarily better at the passing side than the shooting side. I would say Stan Coven is more of a shooter than a passer, although he is certainly good at both. But Yeah, Bork is certainly pass first. And Johnston, even though he can score quite well, he's also a guy who's certainly on the pass first side of things.
0: Yeah, and, 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 but yet, yet you still have room for somebody like Stranges. And I think Strongis' stock went up more than anybody uh, this last week. Uh, I, I think people were, were concerned that he, you know, everybody loves him because he's got this, this uh, kind of odd skating style. And, and we all know that he can, he can snipe, but he, he put it, put it to real use and, and showed that he can
1: do it in game situations. Yeah. Strong is a really good prospect. You know, I kept tabs on him um, since he got drafted. I liked him a lot in his draft year. I thought Dallas, you know, got very lucky that he fell to 123rd overall, you know, in the fourth round. I thought he was a guy who certainly could have gone within the first 100 picks, and he had a really strong year uh, in the OHL last year with the London Knights. You know, him and Luke Evangelista really tore it up for that team. Stranges was, was you know well over a point per game in the playoffs. You know, he's a guy who's come along really well and sometimes you want to draft a guy not just because of how he is now, but also how he's going to be developed, you know, mm-hmm. playing for the London Knights, you know, they're a development factory, no yep. other organization in junior hockey with the exception now, of maybe the Chicago steel in the USHL, you know, develop talent like the London Knights do. And it was just great watching Stranges last year. Cause you, you knew he had to, to refine some certain things about his game, you know, Add some layers to it beyond just the uncharacteristic skating stride, and he did. He, you know, he got better as a goal scorer, he got much better as a playmaker, better as a two way player. And he's definitely going to be a guy who has an uphill battle over the next couple years. I don't think he's gonna, you know, leapfrog Johnston or Bork or any of these guys, but you know, don't sleep on him either in three or four years. You know, when some of the bigger prospects are already on the NHL roster and there's a spot that's open that's still being competed for, he could certainly be a guy who's pushing for a roster spot.
0: Right. And, and like like anybody with a with a specific skill set, uh, if, if you find the right situation for him, he can thrive. And, and I think we saw him fall into a situation like that in Traverse City and, and he, he made the most of it.
1: And It's the same thing with Oscar Bach, right? You know, yeah. he's, he's not a flashy guy. He's not going to score a lot of points, but I think it really goes to show, you know, his character that he was wearing the C for that team. You know, he's a shutdown forward. You know, those guys can find roster spots, too. You, know, you need a guy who can take faceoffs, you can kill penalties, who can be trusted, you know, defending a lead late in the game. But it was also nice to see him at that tournament because we got to see a little bit more of the offensive flair that he does have. You know, he's no slouch when it comes to the puck on his stick. He knows what to do with it. You know, he doesn't have stone hands. Like, he can make plays with the puck. We just haven't always gotten to see that because, you know, he always kind of gets pigeonholed into these defensive roles for good reason because that's what he's best at. But, you know, he's, he's a sneaky good prospect. And I also wouldn't be surprised if he's someone that is able to find, uh, you know, NHL games in the next year or two. You know, if someone like Fox, yeah. though, let's say, gets hurt – you know, he's out long term and the stars want someone who can kind of come in and do a little bit of the work that Foxa does. You know, Bach is a guy who could fill that mold.
0: Yeah. I mean he had he had one play, he, he got a primary assist on on a strangest goal in game two, where where he he took it hard down behind the net and then just just found a found a spot where he could slip it out to Strangis, who just just absolutely roofed it and uh, that, that was one of my favorite goals of the of the tournament because it's like all this action's going on, and it, at the end of it, you know, Strong, Strong just uh, skates over to the side to uh, to uh, salute the crowd. There was a Detroit crowd, and uh, there'd just been a fight, and, and uh, the Detroit guy had kind of got the crowd riled up, and so Strong just had to give a little bit, bit back after that. But in the <laughs> meantime, the, you know, the Strong just pipes it, in, and all you really see is Bradley Damiani mixing it up in the middle. You know, little guy setting a screen by pretty much uh, going in and cross-checking any defender that would get in his way. And so that that was just, you know, it, it was just complete
1: chaos, and it, it worked out wonderfully. It must have been a little bittersweet for uh, Strangis. You know, he's a Michigan boy himself. You know, that's where he oh, was yeah. born and raised. So it's got to be a little weird for him. Now, something we haven't talked about yet with Traverse City was the goaltending. Yeah. It kind of you know brings it a little bit full circle where we talked about the forwards in the system and the defensemen. What did you think of the goaltending in Traverse City for the Stars?
0: I've, I, you know, I saw a little bit of Matt Murray at the end of last season, and, and he was really good. And uh, he was a little shaky in the first game, um, kind of easy to understand just because the, the Stars after the first period got walked. Um, they, they, they got a little deer in the headlights as, uh, Toronto put a lot of pressure on them. They had, they had a veteran team there and, and once they figured out what was going on, they just, they just took control of that game and, and Murray suffered the consequences. But you take a look at the beginning of, of the St. Louis game, the third game, uh, Murray, Murray pretty much stood on his head in the first period. Well, the, you know, the stars were playing on 14 hours rest and it took them a while to get their legs and Murray kept them in that game. And that's the Murray that, that I've seen. And you know, it, it, he's kind of hard to talk about because he's on an AHL deal, and there are so many other guys on this uh, on this team who have, have uh, you know NHL deals. But as far as I'm concerned, Murray's kind of the, you know, as far as prospects, though, he's the number one prospect out there. I think he's ahead of Adam Scheel on the, on the depth chart, at least as far as what he's showing on the ice. You know, I, I thought, I thought Poirier, Poirier was, yeah. You know, this, uh, as far as I know, this was his first professional game when he started in in game two, and he was a little shaky. He, he he was a little nervy, but he didn't have to do a whole lot at the beginning of the game, and and as the game progressed along, he got better and better, and and he was he was in control. He he has some uh, he has some issues with rebounds right now, from what I could tell, but uh, you know I, I'm kind of viewing that he's going to end up being. Uh, getting a lot of time uh, with the steelhead, steelhead in, in Boise and uh, and hopefully gets a lot of time and gets some action in.
1: Mm-hmm. No, and I would agree with your overall assessment there. It is kind of funny to say, you know, that even though Matt Murray is not on a contract with Dallas, whereas Adam Scheele and Remy Poirier are, I would say Murray is, you know, the front runner for those three right now for, you know, eventually working his way into nhl action you know she you know he he, i liked him in junior i liked him in college there's still some things about his game that really worry me and you know those demons did show themselves a lot in the ahl last year there were games where he did not last very long before getting pulled you know he couldn't stop anything so there's still you know still tools there to work with and Poirier, he's he's okay, you know. He was a sixth round pick, you know, was good in the QMJHL, but that's also not a league that's really known for developing goalies right now. You know, it was worth signing him. Let's see what he can do. We'll give him time in the ECHL this season. But Murray's the guy that I keep coming back to. Is the one that I'm really interested in. You know, he played a lot in college. You know, he had a very successful college career. You know, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest, but he's really consistent. And sometimes, yep. you know, if you're looking at a guy you want to pencil in as a backup goalie in the NHL down the road, I mean, i take consistency over, over anything else, frank, to be frank.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of what I look, look at at this level is just, you know, I, do, they, do they act like they know what they're doing and, and, and are doing things with a purpose? Um, mm-hmm. and, and Murray strikes me as somebody who, who makes purposeful motions. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of guys get a little nervous. They start moving around. They don't maintain their uh, they don't maintain their position properly. And that's how they get into trouble. And, you know, I, I, I kind of felt the same way back uh, back with um, Thomas Scholl, um, who, who got a little bit of a look at the AHL level, but was just never he, he was never quite big enough to, to make it go. But he always seemed like he was in control of the game. And, and, and he took it as far as he could and I think Murray is is just he's bigger he's better and somebody who's going to be in control I think he, he's ultimately going to deserve a shot to uh, to come in and and maybe be a number two yeah absolutely
1: and you know even though he's not on a contract with Dallas right now I mean, you have to know that they're they're thinking about it you know they'll if if it comes to the case where Murray becomes the guy this year in the AHL. You know, who knows what's going to happen with Anton Hudobin, where he's going to play. But if Murray is is there all season and he shows himself well, and he's on a two-year deal, actually. So he's, he'll be around next year, too, probably yep. with the Texas Stars. You know, if he plays well, the Stars aren't going to be shy about signing him and keeping him around. And since he'll know the organization, he'll probably be more inclined to stick around. So for all intents and purposes, I mean, I kind of look at him as an official prospect. You know, I don't always do that with guys who are on AHL deals because usually, you know, their odds are so much worse. But with Murray, I fully look at him as a Dallas Stars prospect, even though he's technically not one. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know the stars are what they have
0: six goaltenders on NHL contracts right now or something ridiculous like that, and uh, and so adding a seventh might might not make sense. But as long as he's getting his time and uh, and getting his reps, and uh, you know even if he's if even if they're running one A and one B in, in Cedar Park with with him and uh, and Sheel,
1: I'm okay with that. And if he plays well, they're not going to let him go. They're going to keep him around. Or at least they're going to try to keep him around. You know, if he becomes a starter next year, he'll probably have you know more than one offer for you know signing an NHL contract. But you know, the Stars they don't they didn't sign him for a two year deal if they if they didn't actually believe organization wide because there's such an overlap between how Dallas is run and how the Texas Stars are run. You know, he wouldn't be on a two year contract if they didn't see him as a guy who could be you know, pushing for an NHL job at some point in the future. No,
0: I fully agree. Okay. Um, well, I think that kind of covers the, the, the whole team who, uh, give us, give us our, 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 surprise to look for as, as the roster gets set for the beginning of the year, um, who, who, uh, who's kind of sitting in the back of your mind as somebody who, uh, who's, who's going to show up that we weren't anticipating.
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. I mean, we've kind of talked about a lot of these guys already, I, I'm a little nervous about the odds for, you know, Stan Coven and Bork just because, you know, the, the cap situation, the math of it all, it just kind of, it makes sense to not have them on the roster. You know, Stan Coven can go back to junior, you know, Bork can go and, you know, be a guy, a top guy in the HL. You know, I, I'm fully confident in Ty Delanger being up there. I, 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 don't, I wouldn't be surprised if he's there all season. Um, a surprise one. You know, I'm going to say Oscar Bach. You know, he, I could see him being a guy who, you know, if he does well in camp, and he's a guy who's got a lot of professional hockey under his belt. You know, he played pro in Sweden for a while. He had a good year, if not a great year, in, in the AHL. And he just has that specialty. You know, he can be a shutdown center, a penalty killer. You know, a fourth line center on a team. I think because of his ability to play a specific kind of role. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up playing some games. I, I wouldn't say it's. I would say it's more likely that he makes it over someone like Peterson or, uh, or you know, Delandria or or Tafty. But you know, if I were to talk about like a long shot, like a guy that could be a real sleeper, that would be my sleeper pick.
0: No, I, I, I like that, and I think you know, if, if it wasn't if I wasn't looking for a sleeper, I think we probably both agree that Delandry is kind of the guy that doesn't get mentioned who's going to see NHL action. For but sure. uh, I, I, I'm going to kind of uh, throw out a Matty Blumel. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, think, I, I think uh, you know, for, for a lot of the same reasons you, you have there, he's, he's played professional. Um, he, he's at a point where he's not intimidated by the situation. And he brings certain things to the game that, that the Stars need. Um, and, and I think he could thrive in a fourth-line role, which is where the spots are going to be.
1: Mm-hmm. And it kind of ties into what we were talking about with DeBoer and how he likes to roll four lines. You know, Blumel doesn't have any true standout strengths, I would say. You know, that's not necessarily a knock against him because he's really well-rounded. I don't think there's a lot of weaknesses to his game. You know, his skating is okay. His shot's pretty good. You know, he can play defensively. You know, he's, he's not a guy that'll wow you, but he's just a really solid hockey player, shift over shift. And you know, like like we were just been talking about, he's got pro experience. He's played for, you know, his home country at the World Championships and he had a good showing there. So yeah, I, I think that's another really good sleeper pick. You know, maybe not a front runner, but you know, if he does end up playing a couple of games this season in the NHL, I won't be surprised and it seems like you won't be either. Yep. Yep, I agree. Um,
0: okay, well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap. Uh, why don't, why don't you let the people know here, uh, how, do, how do they follow you? What's your, what, you know, you, you keep switching titles. What's your official title
1: now? <laughs> yeah, I, I did switch things up a little bit. Um, I was with FC hockey for a while now and I really love my time there. I was, you know, the head crossover scout for a while. And then this past year I was the, um, head Western scout, but I've recently accepted a new position with McKean's hockey, you know, might be a name that more people recognize. They've been in the industry for a long time, releasing draft guys and their annual yearbook, which used to be able to find on magazine racks and stuff like that. So I'm with them now. I'm their assistant director of scouting. So kind of like the right-hand guy to the, the guy who runs the the prospects side of things there. And also the senior West regional scout. So I'm based out of Calgary, up here in Western Canada, and I'm still going to be going to a lot of junior hockey games. You know, uh, I'm credentialed with the Calgary Hitmen, so I'm there a lot. I go to AJHL games here and there. So I'll be watching a lot of WHL hockey. That'll be my primary focus. But as the assistant director of scouting, I'm going to be trying to keep tabs on, you know, all of the top prospects uh, for the 2023 draft. I mean, I'll have this knowledge that I guess I won't be able to share with Stars fans if they're not picking in the first round of 2023, but that's okay. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> you can still find me on Twitter at uh, Derek underscore N underscore NHL. Ah,
0: love, love it, and uh, always, always a good follow. And uh, those of us who who've been around defending Big D a long time, uh, we loved what you did then, and we're glad that you still have this uh, itch of a fascination of following stars, prospects, because we love hearing your opinions on it.
1: Oh, I thank you, and it's. I always like to look at my coverage of the stars as you know, just extra research for me. You know, I've I've scouted so many of their players, you know, before they were drafted. And, you know, I think it makes sense to have a team that you follow a little extra closely because development is so important, too. It's not just drafting. It's not just, you know, you pick a guy and then four years later, he magically shows up on your NHL roster. You know, development's a big part of it, too. So uh, I'm going to continue following the stars and their prospects just because I find I learn a lot from the development side of things by following the team. So I'm going to keep doing that. And, you know, if you're on Twitter, I'll be tweeting a lot about Stars Prospects throughout this year and, you know, probably every year going forward.
0: That sounds great. Well, and for the podcast, I think uh, we're going to try and do a, a, a post-training camp uh, podcast next week. So uh, hope you enjoyed this one and look forward to having something ready for you next week.